Let's go to Isaiah 26. And I just want to share a simple message with you guys. Um, kind of in light what what we're going through, um, but really in light of what we're all going to eventually go through in life, you know, because we're going to get some, some really hard times, you know. And I remember when um, I used to go visit my, my girlfriend at that time. Okay, I wasn't saved yet. And um, I wasn't a Christian. And I remember when I would go to her house, uh, I was allowed to stay there until midnight. And then I would have to leave. Now, we weren't doing any weird things, just in case you're wondering, okay? We were just there watching television. She would make me uh, frozen taquitos, I remember. And so that was the pattern, man, back then. And so if you can uh, understand, I'm a non-believer. I would literally leave her house at the same time uh, almost every night. And then I would go to my car. And then when I would go in my car, I don't know why, I had like a fear inside of me. And so I'd always turn on the radio, and I would put on a Christian station. I'm not, not a Christian, but I would put on a Christian station. And I can honestly tell you this, that there was this lady that would come on, and she would always quote this verse, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And I, I wasn't a Christian. But I, I don't know why, for some reason I was drawn to this program and I was living in darkness, I was living in fear and somehow this word, I thought it was her voice at first. She had this really pleasant voice. I thought it was her voice at first, you know, that gave me this good feeling. But eventually I understood it wasn't her voice, it was God's voice. It was God's voice that gave me this peace and this promise. He said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. And God used that in my my life. And God took that word and it was like a seed planted inside of me even before I was a Christian. And eventually he comes and, and he waters it. And then what we find, you guys, is as we go through difficult times, this right here is going to be one of the truths, one of the anchors that God is going to use so that we do not drift away on the day of adversity. And so we see here uh, a few things I want to share with you. Number one, the location of peace. Number two, the condition of peace. And then number three, the explanation for peace. Look what it says here in Isaiah 26. I actually begin reading in verse 1. It says, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We, we have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. You know, as you guys know, when you're reading through the Proverbs and you're reading through the prophets, you're reading through the scriptures in general, what you find is that, you know, um, we're going to go through difficult times in life. The, 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 the prophet Isaiah was writing to the northern kingdom, even the southern kingdom, and he was telling them all that they're going to face difficult times. But, but he, he said there is a time after time. There is this place, it's called Jerusalem. There is the millennial kingdom. There is this place called heaven. And, and he says there in verse 1, in that day, 
they're going to sing this song. They're going to sing this song. You know, sometimes we can't do it today. Sometimes we're in the middle of it, and it's very difficult, you know, to sing those songs in the night. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Sometimes we do it by faith. Sometimes it's a struggle. But in that day, there's no doubt about it, we're all going to be singing. We're all going to be singing there in the millennial kingdom. We're all going to be singing there in heaven. And that's what God would tell Israel over. He would tell the Jews over. He would tell the church over and over and over again because, man, what they had ahead of them, talking about the Babylonians coming in, talking about the Assyrians coming in, talking about the pain, talking about the suffering, talking about all those days of darkness that they would face. They had to know this because as they went through it, Man, the enemy's going to come in and try to make them lose heart. He says, no, I want you to know that there is a song ahead. And in that day, you're going to sing. And so right here, when they're in the midst of it, the Lord gives them certain things that they need to understand. They, you know, I don't know how you guys feel, man, but I know for me, uh, I want peace so bad. Well, you might think, well, Manny, you have it. You're a pastor. You know the Bible, you know, whatever. Your life is pretty easy. I mean, you know what? I don't know how you guys are are feeling. I wish I could sit down and talk with each one of you. But, man, we all struggle in one way or another with, with, with anxieties, you know, with fears, with certain things that we face. You know, sometimes we even have a hard time even having a conversation with someone because for some reason, there's something going on inside of us that's tweaked and broken and we just don't, we lack that peace. And God says, no, I want to plow through all that. I want to give you peace. I want to give you a perfect peace. We all want it. I think we want it. Lord, do you see what's going on in our world? I mean, you fast, you, you, you go back a few years, that was normal. That was like the normal life before COVID and all this stuff is happening and things are changing. Now things aren't normal. We wanted to go back to normal. Well, I don't know. You know, things are changing so rapidly. So what's ahead, Lord? And, and I think that for us, you know, I, I, I don't know about the pain and I don't know about the problems and I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this, Lord, I need your peace. I need that in my heart. And this word that God put in, in, my, in my heart before I was a Christian, I woke up this morning and he said, that's what I want you to share. Oh, but Lord, I have this all lined up and we're going to do that. And the Lord said, no. You need, to, you, need to, you need this for yourself. Your church needs this. Lord, how do we get peace? What is peace? You know, peace is freedom from disturbance. Peace is, can be described with those words tranquility or serenity. It's a mental calm. It's a life without war or civil disorder. You know, it's words like calm or rest or composure, or even freedom. That's kind of what peace is. I know this, we need peace. We all long for peace. The Bible dictionary describes it as an inner harmony. When you're right with God, you have peace with God, you eventually have peace with others. Not necessarily the absence of conflict in life, but it's the restful and resolute ability to cope with it. 
Now, Warren Risby said, the peace of God is not the absence of problems. It is the presence of divine sufficiency in the midst of it. And I think that's what we long for. And so here in Isaiah 26, isn't it interesting what he says right there? You will keep him in perfect peace. Did you know that peace is a place that we're in? That's what God promises right here. You will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep her in perfect peace. There is this location. And something that I think is really interesting is that one day we're going to live in a different city. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it's important for us to remember that one day we are going to live forever in Jerusalem. You guys know that? Now, do you know what Jerusalem means, what that word means? I mean, for us, it's significant. Of course, we know nothing is random with God. We know one day we as the bride of Christ, we as the redeemed of Jesus, we will live in Jerusalem. And this word Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it means flow to peace. Did you know that? That's not random. You guys know the Hebrew word for peace is what? Shalom. Shalom, right? And so um, that's the second part of the word, Yeru. It means flow or it means go. This is where we will one day live. This is the location of, of peace. You know, this is where God wants us to first of all start. You know, I don't know how you guys are doing today, but maybe you're here today and someone invited you. It's the day after Christmas or whatever. And they're like, hey, you know, come to to church, celebrate, you know, Christmas, celebrate Jesus. Let me just ask you today that you're here for church. Are you a Christian? Have you made peace with God? You know, that's something that's given to us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because he died for us on the cross, he bore our penalty, he rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven. Now he says, if you want to have peace with God, you have to accept him as Lord and Savior. You know, I know there is no doubt in my mind that Joey is in glory. He's in glory. He's in heaven. He was an amazing guy. He was. He was always smiling. He always had a good attitude. Kind. But I also know, though, that he wasn't perfect. None of us are. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But wait a minute, time out. If you want to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. How can you get into heaven? The answer is because he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he did that, he made peace with God. See, that's where it starts. You want this peace. You're never going to have peace unless you first accept Jesus. And that's where it starts, this location. It's first is the peace with God. And for those of us who become Christians, praise God for that. You know, we know we're not going to go to heaven based on our own works. We'll never be good enough to go there. We, matter of fact, we fall short. We fail every single day of our life. I'm not flawless, but I am forgiven. I'm not perfect, but I am pardoned because 
I have received Christ. So first of all, there's a peace with God, but then there's the peace of God. The Bible talks about that, for example, in Philippians 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so what we find is that I think that a lot of Christians even, um, they lack this peace. Yeah, we've made peace with God. We're no longer enemies of God, but for some reason, we sometimes forfeit the peace of God, that perfect peace that he wants to provide for us. Now, going to Jerusalem is one thing, and being set in Jerusalem is one thing, but staying in Jerusalem, staying in that place of peace, that's where the challenge is. He says right here in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace. Lord, but I don't have it. If I'm honest, Lord, I don't have it. And, and so you move from the location now to the condition. This is why. Look what he says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You know, in one sense it's a condition, in one sense it's a cooperation. Lord, I don't have this. You know, this mind that we have inside of us needs to be focused on the Lord. It says, whose minds are steadfast, whose thoughts are fixed on you. On who? We read it there in verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. You know, we, we sometimes, I know I frequently will forfeit my peace because my mind is just thinking about all these crazy things. You know, because the enemy, the devil, he launches his fiery darts into my mind, and for whatever reason, we end up believing the lies. No. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. How do we do this? Let me share with you guys a few things. I want you to turn to Hebrews 12, if you would. I notice what we read here in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race before us. So really, Hebrews 1 through 11 is a lot of theology, just basically saying how amazing Jesus is, better than you know, anyone or anything else, way better than religion is this relationship with Jesus. In Hebrews, you see the theology. And then in chapter 11, you see these guys that were successful in their walks with God and victorious as Christians. And in one sense, they're like in this hall of faith and God lifts them up as examples. And he says, hey, you can do the same. I can work in you and I can work through you. And that's why when you get to Hebrews chapter 12, he says, this is you now. They ran their race. Now it's your turn to run your race. Well, how do we do it? Well, it says right here that we have to be encouraged by their witness. We have to lay aside those things, those weights that really slow us down, especially the sin that easily ensnares us. I think when you take Hebrews in context, he's talking about doubt, unbelief. No more doubt. 
No more unbelief. You lay it aside, or maybe it's a sin that you struggle with. Lay it aside. Why? Because we have a race to run. We have to finish our race. And so as he gives us that, and then, well, how do we do this? And this is so important for us. He says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when you see this, how do I keep my mind stayed on, on him? How do I keep my mind on the Lord? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I, I think this is the key right here where he says that there in the Greek language where it says looking unto Jesus, it's a, an interesting word. It's a forao in the Greek, and it means this. It means stop looking at all those other things. It literally means to look away from one thing so as to see something else. And so you stop looking at in all the different crazy directions, and you start gazing, you start concentrating on Christ. This is what we got to do with the eyes of our heart. You know, when you're like, well, what do you mean, Manny, looking unto Jesus? I can't see Jesus. I mean, what are you talking about, looking unto Jesus? I can't. And this is an interesting verse, Hebrews 11. Look at verse 27. This is an interesting verse. You just go back a couple of verses. It says, by faith, speaking of, of Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, you look at Moses and everything that he went through. You look at Moses, and can you imagine the spiritual battles that Moses fought? You know, we go through hard times, you guys. We do. We are going to go through some challenging, difficult, trying times in life. But can you imagine the battle that Moses went through? I mean, in one sense, you might say that Moses was probably the most prominent spiritual person on planet Earth. And so there's no doubt in my mind that the devil himself was after Moses. You know, the guys are getting ready to do their Wednesday night study on, you know, the screw tape letters. And it's talking about, and when you read that book, it's a fascinating book, how one demon is writing to another demon and how to make these people fall. Well, those are just demons. Imagine the devil himself. So we're talking about Moses. Moses, how did you go through this? How did you survive this? How crazy it must have been trying to lead three million people in the middle of the wilderness. How crazy this battle that Moses was involved in and that he was fighting the greatest nation, Egypt, on planet Earth. How, did he, how was he able to become victorious? How is he able to say no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God? And the answer is there in verse 27 where it says he endured as seeing him. He was able to see him who is invisible. And that's really one of the keys as far as like, how do I fix my eyes on Jesus? How do I keep my mind there on God and I believe with all my heart that you got to just kind of like close your eyes and say, Lord, I see you. Jesus, I see you. What do you mean you see? I see you on the cross. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
If you were to look at Jesus on the cross, then you would see him looking right back at you. In one sense, we're able to finish our race by looking at him, and he was able to finish his race by looking at us. Because it was there on the cross where Jesus Christ died for us. And so what we find here, you guys, is so huge. Number one, how do I keep my mind stayed on him? You got to see him. Number one, with the eyes of your heart. Don't look at all these other things. Look unto him. Secondly, we need to see him in one sense with the eyes of our head. And so I want you to go to John chapter 5, if you would. Because here's the thing. I, I don't know all of you, and I don't know what you're all going through, man, but some of you are getting hit hard. Some of you here, if I could just say it this way, maybe your, your life is pretty, like, cool. You're like, man, we're talking about Manny. Like, I'm a right-on Christian. I'm not going through any trials. So uh, one day, one day you're going to get hit, in the face, you're going to get hit in the gut, you're going to get hit, the devil's going to come in, he's going to reach into your heart, he's going to pull it out. It's going to happen to all of us somehow, some way, one day. And so what do you do? Well, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Number one, and you gotta, you got to see Jesus with the eyes of your heart, but then secondly, you have to see Jesus with the eyes of your head, if I could just say it that way. Because look what it says here in John 5.39. He told the, the Pharisees, Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. See, how do you keep your mind stayed on God? How do we keep our mind's vision be able to focus on jesus well we have to see him with the eyes of our heart like moses did and we have to see him with the eyes of of our head and that means that we open up our bibles you open up your bibles lord but i'm not feeling it lord but i'm having a a struggle to do it i know that's what faith is And not only that, when you open up your Bibles and when you're reading your Bibles, you know, you don't want to read it like the Pharisees did. You don't want to read it with just, you know, academic interest or intellectual knowledge or, hey, I'm going to figure out what all the prophecies are. No, you want to see Jesus. Because that's what the Pharisees had a struggle with. You guys are searching scriptures and you guys probably know it by heart. You guys probably are, are so orthodox. I mean, you man, you dot every I, you cross every T, you know everything about the scriptures. You know them inside and out, backwards and forwards. But man, you, you don't see Jesus because if you see Jesus, then people will see Jesus in you. And I have a feeling, you know, because it doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're whoever it is. That's what I saw in my brother. This is how we have to see the Bible. I mean, Joey wanted to study when he went to work. How many of you guys, when you go to work, you're like, hey, let's start a Bible study at work. Let's do devotions at work. He wanted to study on Sunday mornings before he came to church. 
Now, some of you guys, I don't want to offend you, but you're like, how you had a hard time getting here? Much less doing a, a study before you came here. Why? Why such a hunger? Why such an interest? He was drawn to it because he was able to see Jesus. And if you're reading your Bible and you're not, you're not seeing the Lord, then you're not going to have peace. And as a pastor, that's what I want, and that's what I want you to want. You know, we have to have this understanding as we're reading the scriptures. You know, the Bible says, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. You know, I I wish I could take every person that's going through a difficult time because I know there are many here. I think of my sister Elsa. I think of my sister Gabby, other sisters, beautiful sisters whose husbands have gone home to be with the Lord. I think of so many. Last week I was praying with a, a dear sister and she's just weeping up here. Just tears are flowing because both of her parents just recently died. You know, and as you're there, you're like, man, you wish you could do it for them. You wish... You could just give them peace. And of course, as a church, we're going to do everything we can and we're going to pray and we'll, we'll carry you on our shoulders. But I do know this, that, that ultimately as a church, it's our responsibility to tell you, well, this is really how you can possess peace, that God promises this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Well, how do I do that, Lord? Well, you've got to see him with the eyes of your heart. You have to see him with the eyes of your head. You have to take your Bible by faith and open it up and say, Lord, speak to me. Strengthen me. Please, God. And he will. And then over in Philippians 4, I think there's more to it, but there's a few things that I believe are so important for us. In Philippians chapter 4, notice what we read in, in verse 6 where Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, there it is, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How do we get this peace, Lord? I think, number one, you've got to close your eyes and you have to kind of be able to see Jesus with the eyes of your heart. Number two, you've got to open your eyes and you've got to search for him in the scriptures. And number three, you've got to get on your knees. There's no shortcuts. Praying is probably one of the most difficult things that we can do. And that's why Epaphras, when he labored for the Colossians, it says that he labored to the point of exhaustion in prayers for them, that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You know, if there's one thing the devil, the flesh, and the world will fight you tooth and nail on, it's your prayer life. But if it's one thing I could say, and I remember having a conversation with my dad about this, and we were talking one day, and I said, hey, dad, and I don't know if he asked or if I asked, you know, what's more important, prayer or the word, prayer and the word? And we, we just kind of said, 
we both just basically said, I don't know, I think they're the same. <laughs> you know, because you wouldn't know how to pray. You wouldn't be able to pray if you didn't have the Bible, right? But if you didn't pray, you, I don't know, you couldn't talk to God and once Him talking to you. And so all I know is this, is that they're both so important, so important that we have to be engaged in it. You know, with all of our hearts, we got to open up that Bible. We got to read it. And if you feel, well, wait a minute, time out, I don't understand it. Ask God to show you. He'll, under, he'll teach you. You can ask others, well, what does this mean? You're searching, you're asking, you're hungry. But then right here, what you do is, is, is you just start praying. And there is a promise here. It says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is a huge issue now. Anxiety is hitting everybody. It's, it's like the common cold now. It's everywhere. But Paul says, no, be anxious for nothing. Well, how do you do that? Through prayer. In prayer and, and, and supplication with thanksgiving, you just bring your requests, let them be made known to God. You tell him about what's going on in your life. You just lay it there before him like Hannah did. You can lay it there before him like David did. You can lay it there before him like Job did. God, I don't understand. I don't understand. In the book of Habakkuk, he said, how long? How wrong? I'm praying and praying and praying, God. And you know, God's okay with that. God knows what's in our heart anyway, so you're better off just being honest with him. But it is important to pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And notice the promise. It says that in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There it is. You know, as a, as a pastor, it's not sophisticated or complicated, but I got to tell you, this is how you do it, that you... Try to see Jesus with the eyes of your heart, that you try to see him with the eyes of your head as you're reading the Bible, that you just spend that time on your knees. And sometimes it's just throughout the day, I'm driving and I'm praying or whatever, I'm walking down the hallway and a little prayer, Lord, help me, God. And he'll carry us through. You know, I was reading some quotes on peace this morning, and one of them was by Albert Einstein, and he said that when you find understanding, you'll find peace. But he's wrong. He's wrong. Because right here, the Bible says that it's, it's an understanding, that this is a peace that passes understanding. You know, we're probably going to live our lives and come across more things that we don't understand by the time we die than we do. But one day, we'll be there. Warren Risby said, we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. And on that day, what day? That day. On that day, we will sing. We will sing songs. On that day. And that's why I can face today. Because I know the kingdom's coming. I know the king is coming. I know heaven is real. Back in Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah 
we have the location of peace, which is this place of peace called Jerusalem, where we begin our relationship with God and we continue this relationship with God. We have the conditions of peace that we have to keep our mind stayed on him. But then we have the explanation for peace there again. If you would look at verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because why, why would you do that? Because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. It doesn't say because he understands you. It just says because he, he trusts in you. And that's where we are as Christians. You know, we have this life, we live this life of understanding that trust, you know, is the way that it works. And God has this plan that is higher than ours. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that his ways are higher like the heavens are above the earth. The Bible says in the book of Romans that it's past knowledge. We don't understand. Maybe you're there today, and my prayer is that it would encourage you. But you will be one day. You want to know how I know that? Because the Bible says, Jesus promised, in this world you will have tribulation. You will. You know, I remember when I first uh, started doing marriages, I remember I would conduct a wedding and I, I'm not exaggerating, you guys. I would honestly do weddings and basically say, man, you guys are going to, it's going to be awesome. It's like awesome being a Christian and being married and almost like to the point where there, I, I didn't say anything like negative about it. Any, and there was no warnings about, hey, you're going to have some hard times. I, I, I don't know why, for whatever reason, when I first started doing weddings, I just really didn't, didn't tell them or warn them about some of the challenging times of being married and so I remember after doing one wedding, one of the guys came up to me afterwards, and he was an older gentleman, and he was cool about it, but he was just kind of saying, hey, how come you didn't warn them that it's going to be tough sometimes? I'm like, they're Christians. <laughs> but you know what? He was right. And what I'm trying to say, not trying to derail you and talk about marriage, but what I'm trying to do now basically is just to talk to you about being a Christian. Because sometimes people think, well, since I'm a Christian now, I'm a child of God, that I'm shielded from any type of trial or any type of testing. And that's like, you know, for whatever reason, they took the book of Job out of the Bible and they'd say, that doesn't count. No, we're going to go through some very trying times, especially if you love the Lord. You're going to be a, you're going to be a target. We're going to go through this. And so that's why we have studies like this because when you're there, you might use it today. If not, you might put it in your pocket, use it another day because eventually you're going to have tribulation. But Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Now, does that mean he fixes this world? No, this world is broken and it's bad and it's getting worse. And that's why we'll do our best to make things better, but we won't fix this world. There is a world coming. That's where we'll sing that song. This is the anchor for us as we go through difficult times. You know, when I was going through my readings, and if you guys want to turn to one last book, it's the, the book of Habakkuk.
just in case you don't know where it's at, it's on page 1,269 in your Bible. I almost just kind of wanted to share on this book. Um, it's been in my heart for a long time. The ladies recently had the blessing of studying it. Uh, they, they went through the whole book, and they got super blessed. And so, you know, if you really want to dive into it, you can actually go online, and you can listen to the studies or on our church app. But the book of Habakkuk, I, it really resonates with me now because Habakkuk was looking at his world. He was looking at his nation. He was just saying, man... There's so much wickedness going on. There's so much violence, violence going on to the righteous, to the good people. And God, you're, you're like indifferent. God is almost like you're insensitive. And he was having a hard time. He was praying and praying and praying, but he was having a difficult time because it didn't seem like God was really changing things for the better and so what God did is God said, okay, well, um, I, I mean, Habakkuk, you shouldn't think that. Everything is in God's timing according to his will. He knows what's wise and he's provident in all his ways. But he said, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And he said, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. So this is early in, you know, Jeremiah's time, very beginning stages of his days. And there is his contemporary Habakkuk. And God says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. And they're going to come and they're going to deal with the Jews. And so when Habakkuk found that out, he's like, that's not right. That's not right. You're a, you're a God with, with pure eyes. How can you behold evil like that? Now, of course, we know God doesn't behold evil with approval. God sees everything, though. God, everything has to be filtered through his hands. But somehow, some way, Habakkuk didn't understand it, but God had a plan in all this. And so what eventually God reveals to Habakkuk is, and then I'm going to deal with Israel, but it's all part of my plan for good. And then I'm going to deal with the Babylonians, and then I'm going to deal with the whole wide world. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you need to know all these things, Habakkuk. And that's when that great verse in Habakkuk chapter 2, this great verse, notice what it says there in verse 4. It says, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. I remember when I first came across that verse, I only just thought of salvation. I just thought of salvation. That's the verse that Martin Luther read in the book of Romans, and that's how he got saved, the just shall live by faith. And so I would always think, well, that's just about salvation. And then the Lord said, eventually, and I think it even resonates even more now, more now. No, it's not just when you got saved. It's for every day of your life. Habakkuk, there's going to be things that you don't understand. And you have to walk by faith, not by sight. This is how we live. You've got to know the whole story. And so, you know what Habakkuk does at the end of the book? You know what he does? He sings. 
He sings. And we read, look what it says in Habakkuk chapter 3. In verse 17, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. That's when the ladies started wearing heels. I'm just joking. No, this is talking about deers that go high, high. And he says right there, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. He sings. It doesn't mean he understands everything. It doesn't mean that the Babylonians weren't going to come in. It doesn't mean that there wouldn't be pain and suffering and even death. But it meant that now, no matter what, basically what he's saying is no matter what, I will trust God. And I, and I just want to encourage you guys in this. You know, um, what we find right here is that salvation that we're ultimately grateful for is not necessarily the salvation to save us from our difficult circumstances. It's the salvation that Christmas is all about, where it says in Matthew one twenty one that he would save us from our sins. And so, you guys, um, I don't know what God has ahead for us, but I pray that, you know, God would use this to encourage you. You know, that you close your eyes and you can see Jesus on on the cross maybe or maybe in glory or just know that he's there, that you open your eyes. And I know it's difficult sometimes, but as we're starting the new year, this would be a perfect time to say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible maybe in a year. You get some type of reading plan. And you're going to be looking for Jesus as you read with an open heart. Or you just just get with God and you say, okay, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to really pray. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That for me, my time with God alone on my knees is the highlight of my day. And so you guys ask God for that grace to be able to seek him in those ways. And as you do, um, even though we're going to come across many things that we don't understand My prayer is that would be that anchor to keep you. Because part of what we do, and you can talk to any of the pastors here, part of what we do is we just try to deliver people to heaven. You know, one sense is a difficult thing because, you know, you do a funeral and you're like, man, this is what it's all about. That people would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they would believe all the way until they see him face to face. I was talking to someone after first service today and they were telling me about this one individual and they used to go to church with them and they used to serve with them and all these types of things, but there was a couple of deaths in the family and now they don't follow Jesus anymore. They don't serve God anymore. 
And we were talking about how sometimes when people go through difficult things, you know, they, they go away from God, but really the intention and the hope is that they would draw to God. Remember the saying, the same sun that melts the wax, it hardens the clay. It's all a matter of whether or not we will just trust the Lord. So when you're there, I pray you would. And then one day, um, we'll see God. And then one day, we'll be reconciled to our loved ones.